Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon investors, my name is Will Brownlee and welcome to the COSEC Show where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week that was... And, of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce you to my investment panel, resident experts in the market. To my left, joining us for the first time, this gentleman has been buying the dip ever since the global financial crisis in 2008. He was buying Bitcoin at $4,000. This is Buy the Dip. Dan, welcome, good sir. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Well, happy very, to be here. Very good. And is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Shedakowski. And opposite me, as always, the ever mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen, how are we doing this week? Very thank good, you. thank you. Very it's well. amazing. One week to go to Christmas. This will be the last show I imagine for the, the year. This is the last show for the year, uh, and it is going to be a cracker. It is going to be a brilliant one. I was actually going to wear a hat. I thought <laughs> I'll, I'll wear a, I'll wear it. We'll get we'll get dress in the up. Festive spirit. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were going to get you to dress up as a reindeer, but uh, you what know. we should have done is told Dan to come dressed up, and then none of and us. And then get none of us did. So, man, not good for your first. I'm a festive person. I wouldn't not even been embarrassed by that. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. But let's let's turn to a little bit out of the festivities because the markets haven't been particularly festive mm-hmm. this week. This whole Christmas rally has not really ensued. Mr. Mossman, how have we been tracking? Yeah, very well. And again, another volatile week this week. And um, I suppose I'll jump into the first topic of the show, which really what drove everything in the markets. And that was a total of 20 central bank meetings uh, in total. Notably, of course, we had the Fed, the BOE, which is the Bank of England, and the ECB, the European Central Bank. I'll be very quick. I know we talk about them a lot, but some very important uh, policy decisions that they made this week. The first one, which was the Federal Reserve over in the United States. Uh, Now, what they decided to do was a lot in line with expectations, but they more or less confirmed around three rate hikes for next year, which is very surprising. So they've kind of backflipped on that because that was, and I'm not going to say we predicted it, but, you know, (laughs) when they were saying they're not going to hike rates to 2024, we, 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 all of us kind it's been of a year of gymnastics. They just keep backflipping, and every central bank backflips on what they say. One central bank that hasn't quite yet is the um, is the RBA. They're the most cautious at the moment and mm. sticking to the tune because that takes us to my second central bank, which is the Bank of England, and they quite unexpectedly decided to raise rates. They were sitting at 0.1%, and they went to 025 So they were the first mm-hmm. to raise, really? Out of all of us, out of, you know, I suppose, the... U.S. England. Yeah, everyone is... U.S. England, yeah. Australia. So they rose, actually, to 0.25%. But just like every economy in the in Europe, they're struggling with inflation. And then we go to the third central bank, which is the ECB. The ECB actually have negative rates at the moment, so negative 0.5%. Now, they've been the most accommodative. And as I was saying in investment meetings all week, you know, Europe's been a, an economy for just printing mm-hmm. money year on year on year. And they're not going back on that. So they've said, we're going to keep that cash rate steady. The whole of Europe's struggling with inflation, but they said... We're going to keep buying bonds, keep buying assets, keep rates low, uh, and that's just the way it's going to stay. Uh, in fact, I've got one chart I'd like to take you through, and this is going back to the ECB. And this is the ECB's projections for inflation. So the green line that runs through the screen is what inflation is doing right now. It's off the charts, quite literally. It is through the roof right now. The red line that it's just gone through is what they forecasted it to be. Um, so it's already smashed through that almost immediately. The black line is actually what they need it to be. So that's their target rate for inflation. And then you look to what they think is going to be in the future, 2022, 2023, and 2024. That's blue, pink, and yellow. And for the people that aren't watching this as a video, um, it's a lot lower from where they are right now. So they do believe that this initial step in raising rates in England is going to be you know, the first step in bringing 
inflation down hard and very hard and very fast. In terms of the markets, though, uh, when they did announce this over in the lab, I mean, we'll talk about the US because that's the main sort of driver. Yeah. Thursday night they announced and the US went down uh, and the, then went yeah. up. They, they ended up. up. They and then yesterday we got absolutely decimated. The Nasdaq dropped maybe nearly 3% in the last hour of trade. Yep. We didn't follow shoot. We were we were up and it was supposed to be a very hard market to navigate. And I noticed that we got quite badly sold off today. What's your scope? Where do you think things are going to go? Are people pricing this in? Is Are you still bull on the market? Do you think the Christmas rally might yep. ensue next week? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, usually, you know, you might think, oh, the US is strong, the biggest market in the mm, world will mm. take their lead. But you have to remember that, you know, the driving force behind most of our economies, the central banks, are making vastly different decisions at this point in time. So when we don't take their lead, you know, you can't just, you know, expect us to do so every single time. So at this point, I mean, if we look at the, if we had a chart of the S&P 500, we can see that it's extremely high, but it's found a lot of resistance fallen off. It's not looking good. Uh, and the ASX, as I discussed last week, has just been consolidating. So unfortunately, the Christmas rally uh, isn't going to kick off. Uh, oh. Apologies. I mean, no Christmas presents for people. But what I will say is we're forming a nice pattern for to start 2022. Okay, so there's no real major concerns through markets at this point that I think are going to you know, impact us next year. So it might not have been a kickstart December like everyone expected, but I think we've actually done quite well uh, for what we've been going through at this point in time. So still, still very positive. Very good, very good. All right, let's go over a little bit more local because, of course, we've been plagued all of a sudden by this thing called uh, Omicron, okay, yes. the, the COVID variant. We've gone from literally 183 cases, quite quite literally up to, what, 2,300 at the moment. Adam, what do you take on that? What's this? Are we, are we actually going to get to 25,000 like uh, Health Minister Hazard says? Well, I mean, it, it could potentially happen exactly when we will have to see, but the the Variant is spreading quite fast. I mean, there has been actually a lot of new data this week that is really supporting that narrative. So, for example, some research from Hong Kong in terms of numbers suggesting that it's spreading 70 times faster comparing to the original variant. I mean, I don't know exactly uh, no. if they can really support that number based on the number of cases they have because they only investigated very few. Uh, so that is a little bit of a... Uh, not a You don't take that on the decimal there, mm. but... That is certainly suggesting spreading faster. And if you actually look at the numbers, like just a week ago and eight days ago, uh, global, we had 2,300 cases. And then now it has been doubling every second day. So if you take that eight so days, th that means 16 by times faster. By Monday, we should be at four or 5,000. So global, yeah, yeah. So that, that's basically here locally and globally. We're now at thirty-seven thousand, and that doubles every second. But day. we've only had one death over the. So we've had two thousand yeah. three hundred cases roughly over the mm. past twenty-four hours, and we've only had one death. So that's good, and we are at ninety-three point seven percent double dosed. Unless you live in the ACT, in which you're at ninety-eight percent double dosed. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying we're not closing borders. Is that right? That's really because of a very good news. There are like on the flip coin of that, uh, there is a lot of uh, research now suggesting that the tissue in the lungs that is being affected by the new variant is is not the dis disintegrating very fast. In fact, ten times slower. Wow. So it's spreading ten times faster, but, but it's, it's you know ten not times as, as less ten times less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I suppose I know I thought it was very funny. Pfizer's obviously I think it was funny mm -hmm. last week. There was this coming and said, you know what? Might not be a bad idea to get another shot. And we're thinking, well, okay, well that's a, that's a good marketing employer. Well, why don't you get another shot just to protect yourself? That seems yeah. like a good idea. Well, I think every I think the Australian government is really pushing the boosters now, and I think everyone's almost eligible for one because it's a five month wait period, if I'm correct. Yeah. And I think I'm coming up to my five months, and most people are really. Yeah, so yeah. I think the next round uh, is you know going to be boosters, and I think it's encouraging people to do it this week because you know we've had the sharpest raise in. Um, in cases I think we've had throughout our whole mm. COVID mm. experience in New South Wales. So yeah, yeah, and the research also suggests that a booster is very helpful in, in regards to the number of antibiotics that develop in your body. So that's a really good sign as well. Yeah, perfect. Let's rewind across to by the dip, Dan. You have been studying quite hard uh, what's happening with our immigrants coming in, obviously with these border closures because of COVID. Tying into that, what are you noticing on that? So we're looking at uh, you know skilled workers and I suppose travel. Yeah, so obviously there's a big impact there. There's a lot of people obviously travelling for recreation, but also study. Um, a lot of these people sort of boost our economy greatly. Because study is our what, third biggest One of our biggest it's like One exports. of our biggest exports is, is international students. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've got a chart here that I'd like to share with you guys. It's just um, this to do with new, just Chinese interna international students into the country, and that's down 61% in just two years from 2019 to 2021. So 
it's a pretty big drop, obviously, down below 20,000. Um, you can see, obviously, you know, we, we want that number back up where it's going to be, and the only thing it's going to get there is these borders opening up. So, obviously, in 2019, uh, international education it had more than $40 billion boost into the Australian economy. So that's a massive part of our economy that's not there at the moment. So mm. pretty, pretty big impact. And not only that, but on top of that, at the end of December last year, just over a quarter of uh, visa holders for these um, you know, international students weren't actually in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So we had just about 550,000 people with a visa and over 150,000 weren't actually in the country at the time. So you know, not only is it these people that are sort of you know, are here to study, but you know, a lot of them, you know, they just can't be here at this point in time. So it's really sort of impacting the economy. I think um, you know, this would really equate to about $11.4 billion spending in the broader economy, not just the way that you know, the education boosts yeah. our economy as well. So that's a lot of spending as well. And that's going to obviously affect you know, consumer staples, consumer discretionary sectors pretty hard. And we're getting quite a bit of shortage of skilled workers coming in. Is, is Absolutely. that correct? Absolutely, yeah. So I think um, just a personal story, I went on holidays to Byron Bay about six weeks ago. A lot of places were looking to get bookings and they're going, you know, we're, we're pretty booked out. You get there and half the restaurant's empty because they just can't get the staff. Yeah, so right. many wow. people, so many retailers are struggling. They can't operate at full capacity and they're actually really struggling. So, you know, it's obviously a big, big loss to the economy and a lot of people can't operate at, you know, the f- full capacity. But not only that, uh, farmers are struggling too. So obviously when backpackers come to Australia, yeah, cause they have you've to got go to do, do the work. 88 days of farm work. And from uh, mid-2020, we've lost $60 million in farm crops. Yeah, wow. So that's obviously going to have a big impact on the consumer staples and discretionary sectors. That cost is being passed on to the consumer. So, you know, huge effect on the economy. Yeah, well, I think the numbers come through and the Australian government goes, okay, now we can really balance up the risk reward of being locked down. Yeah. And how do we approach it from here? And they go, look at the loss when it comes to just travel yeah, alone. And you, you might not think it, a lot of the students are still studying in Australia, but they're not here to they're spend their money. And that's just as big an economy for us. So, yeah. uh, and that's going to be a huge hit. And you look at uh, I mean, all the big university areas in Sydney, They'd be nowhere near as busy they've been for the last five years. So that's something I think the Australian government has been pushing really hard for the last two months, obviously in preparation for 2022, trying to get students back for the new education year, especially in universities. And I'm always very, very wary about ever kind of bagging out anything to do with the government or any of the decisions they've made for the simple reason that I think it's a hard job to do. I could never do it. We don't know any better, really. Yeah, we don't know anything better. But they haven't particularly painted us in a great light, especially in Victoria with all the riots that have been happening and all the protests and all that huge lockdown. The question's going to remain in the next three years, two years, one year. Are people still going to remember that? Are they actually going to want to come and study here? Or is this going to be a place where they're just like, eh, maybe we don't stay We stay away from for a bit. I think we've got to change our tune quickly. Mm. And I think we've just got to make a definitive decision of what type of country we want to be in the next three years because it's going to be a COVID-filled three mm. years still, but you know, you've got to move on and you've got to make that decision. And I think early. this is actually, and if I could be so fortuitous to say, I think this is probably actually one of our defining moments right now, how we respond over Christmas. Do we lock down or do yeah. we just keep opening up and shouldering, uh, you know, shrugging forward? Because at the end of the day, um, I know Dr. Kerry Chant went on and said, health advice, just, just stay home, don't go out into Christmas. Okay, I think Dominic Perrottet has just said, look, we're just going to keep going forward. Scott Morrison has said, we're just going to keep going forward. That's the chart map forward. So I think this is a defining moment for Australia over this. Because keep in mind, this time last year, they were locking down the northern beaches. Yeah, right? well, Dennis, the man we're missing here today, he mm. was the, he was actually locked down in last Christmas. So he's praying. On we better not let have let any hold more on, cases. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's so. call, call a spade a spade. He, he <laughs> was living at Manly Beach. So yeah, it's, it's, not like, it's not like it was a hardship in any it way. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't, was, too bad. wasn't too bad. It could have been worse. It could have been stuck in, I don't know, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Excellent. Thanks very much, team. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Everyone that does will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing and Dimmicks for $39.95, or a magazine, Retailing and News Agencies Australia Ride for $19.95. In the meantime, like, subscribe, hit that bell, and we're going to be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. As kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. 
We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, Imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. Herzeg is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzeg Kadari Securities. Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve, using new and improved methods. Having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec Investment Edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Do you follow currencies? Want to know how the Aussie dollar is travelling? Do you love commodities? Do you see gold prices rising? Do you see more demand for oil? Do you see the world economy growing? Get the latest in-depth analysis and discussion on commodities every week from real traders. Get real insights only on the Cosec Show. Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities now. All things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go around. And we're going to go straight over 
uh, the ever mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Talk to us a little bit about gold. I know you're a big fan of it, and you have had a little bit of a shining light over the past couple of days. Is that right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll just go straight to the chart uh, to bring up the gold chart at the moment. Uh, obviously, for the last few weeks we've been talking about, hasn't really been going anywhere, but what we have seen is this quick spike up in the last few days. In fact, yesterday, uh, we saw a nice big green candlestick after we had all those central bank meetings. And um, as I was, thinking, I was talking with Dan earlier today about it, um, gold really didn't know where to go in the middle of the week. It was consolidating ahead of all these meetings because it didn't know what to do, where to go, what rates would be got, you know, what the policy decisions would be. But as soon as all those meetings happened, it had a bit of um, reprieve, room, yep. reprieve and a room to move. So it kind of thought, okay, this could have been a lot worse. We could have been tapering a lot quicker. Rates could have been risen quicker. So what did gold do? It had a quick 1% jump higher. So technically it's looking good. It's broken out of that consolidation. But in the medium to long term, I'm still worried about the same theme that we've been seeing over and over again for months. And I've been talking about it you know, every week. We see the, sharp, the quick jump up and then the sharp correction because of another change in policy. Tapering's brought forward even closer and then no one wants to hold gold. So I've got a quick quote from actually ANZ. Um, and that is, or this is their target price. The target for the year end is 1600 for gold and 22 for silver. We're not expecting much upside right now from current levels. The 1800 level is essentially our Q1 target. We're at 1800 right now. So essentially what I've just said, it's going to keep on oscillating around this 1800 lever until anything else dramatically happens. And I don't think something like Russia, Ukraine and uncertainty around the world right now is enough to stoke We've got gold. enough uncertainty, don't you? Exactly. So uh, there's enough uncertainty. If 6% inflation and uh, uncertainty surrounding a pandemic couldn't help, then uh, not much else is going to help, right? Exactly right. So eight gold is still uh, underperforming. It's not shining yet. Always on the watch out. But yeah, until inflation is persistent and uncontrollable, uh, I do see it remaining around the $1,800 level. Very good. Dr. Adam Shetikovsky, let's go over to oil. What is your take on the... Uh, a slippery commodity. Well, it's a bit mixed for the week. So as you were said, it was down 1.1% for the week. So, and it was really going a little bit up and down. I can just mention a couple of news. So, really so basically, nothing's doing anything. Yeah. So, so I mean, for the whole okay, week. Right. Yeah. So for you viewers here, yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of news that are like worth mentioning. So for example, uh, in the early week, Monday, Tuesday, there was important announcements from the International Energy Agency. And they were saying something like, probably the price will, might be going down. So, of course, the market reacted um, with the market uh, with some negative sentiment there, and the price did actually go down about 2-3% in the beginning of the week. So, basically, what they were saying, they were saying that demand um, will probably not be uh, as, as, as high as maybe previously expected, and they also adjusted their forecasts for 2022. And then, just a couple of days later, there was some other news. Well, actually, so there's... Uh, a lot of oil being used. So there was like reserves being, uh, their expectations were that the reserves of oil will be downtrending a, a, a little bit, but it was it was much worse. I, well, in the sense it was much more was used, more than double the expectations of oil disappeared from the markets. So uh, there you see that it's actually still being used. So that and market actually in those days, market went up again. So a little bit of an up and down for the because week. Because I was looking at it on a technical chart. Myself and Mr. Mossman were discussing it. I think in the investment committee we were looking at it and it did look like it had gone down. It broke below the 200-day exponential and simple moving averages, which is a big bearish signal indicating potentially a drop. It's now had a bit of a dead cat bounce, would you say so? We don't have a chart, obviously, but just in your minds, imagine. Now it seems to have dropped back down again. Are we going to break lower than the 200-day moving yeah. averages and move lower even still, Louis? Or do you think this is a, another time for a, another upward trend? Yeah, well, the convergence of those 200-day moving average, exponential and simple towards each other, is obviously a negative thing. And it didn't find any support the first time it fell through. Why? Obviously, because it was an Omicron, a macro event. It wasn't too technical. We have had a bump up higher, and we've tried to make a lower, a higher low. Okay, so... We're really Not a dead cat bounce, this could be a resumption of an upward trend. Exactly. But the dead cat bounce is still in play because it needs to break the high that it just made a few days ago. So again, you're trapped in this tight band between a previous high and a newly made high low, and you're right on the moving averages <laughs> as well. So it's really it's a bit of a uh, precarious kind mm. of cliff edge you're sitting on right now for oil. However, the uh, Omicron side of things has improved dr dramatically over the last two weeks, and I think markets are you know, almost Factor over that. Yeah, yeah. But the thing you got to you know remember on the other side is you know where's supply and supply's you know pretty strong right now. Um, and you know Biden's you know we know he's released strategic reserves, not had a huge impact, uh, but you know supply's quite high right now. So I, th I think at this point, 
oil's at a pretty happy medium, and unless there's any major events happening, it's going to continue. Not so long ago, it was up much higher than it is. On a bit of a dip right now, potentially a buy the dip opportunity. Speaking of buying the dip, let's go over to buy the dip, Dan. You like how I segued into that? Buy the dip, Dan. Let's talk about something that has dipped but now could be ready to be in a buying support, iron ore. What's your take on that? Obviously, you had a big, 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 big pullback. We have seen Fortescue. We have seen Champion Iron. Despite the fact that the market's been pretty volatile, these stocks have been outperforming. I will point out, we, I think we mentioned them on the show. We've mentioned Fortescue quite a number of yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. And I know we sent that out as a hot opportunity. What are your thoughts on Iron Ore right now? Absolutely. It's an interesting one, Iron Ore. Obviously, like you said, there's been a lot of volatility lately. Obviously, with the Omicron announcement, we saw a lot of commodities really take a dip off the back of that. But Iron Ore's really been one of the ones that's outstanding and sort of... Couldn't dip that. much more, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. Obviously, I'll pull up the chart real quick. We'll have a look. Obviously, that's a pretty big... Pretty big dip from uh, August. We're down about 55% to its low there. Um, yeah, obviously, the last three weeks has been pretty strong for iron ore. It's up about 25%. If you look at the chart, it doesn't look too promising, but it's you know really trying its best to break that downtrend. I think 25% in three weeks is obviously, you know, re- where it's looking to really sort of, um, you know, start to make some peaks again. So I think, um, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of it's driven by China's demand. I think um, a lot of people saying it's a little bit up in the air. China obviously want to sort of start through their own steel production, which could affect yeah. a lot of our local players because... You know, we're not going to be exporting as much iron ore. But I think in terms of, you know, iron ore consumption on the whole, China was up about 15% on imported iron ore last month. A lot of people didn't expect that. I think that was well above expectations. So I think it's a pretty good outlook for iron ore. I think, um, you know, the consumption, China's obviously looking to sort of ease that property curve they've got at the moment. There's a lot of money that China want to really pump into infrastructure. So I think the the outlook for iron ore is pretty good. And And, And you quite like iron ore stocks at this stage? Absolutely. Well, I think if you look at a lot of our local players, they really do follow the chart of iron ore. Like you could look at... Like you said, Fortescue, BHP, you could look at Champion Iron and they have a very, very similar trend to Iron Ore. Um, and I think, like I said, the most promising thing is that off the back of this Omicron news, they've really still continued to appreciate, which is really quite positive news. Well, we'll yeah. take it from you. Buy the dip, Dan. Absolutely. I was just about to jump in there and say exactly what Dan said. So we've seen China transition very sharply from uh, concerns over emissions, bringing down steel output, and then we've been hit with Evergrande and you know, China's missed on just about every economic growth metric that they brought out. Very slight misses, but misses nonetheless. And now they've completely backflipped on the emissions side of things and said, right, we're going back to growth. And back to growth means higher iron ore prices and, you know, a lot of our domestic players following. So what you want to keep track of is not a fact that they've changed that position, but how long will they keep that position in place? And I think for the next, say, quarter, um, that's going to be something they're going to continue to try and stoke while Evergrande gets sorted, the property sector gets sorted. So still very bullish on iron ore. I'm with Dan there. Very good. All right, we have a couple more minutes left, and I can't believe I'm even going to bring up this topic in a couple of minutes because I don't know any time that we've ever spent only two minutes talking about it. But let's talk crypto very, very quickly. Buying the dip. Speaking mm. of buying the dip, they're down 30% in the terms of Bitcoin. What are our thoughts? Is this just consolidation? Louis, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, much like I was speaking about oil before, a very precarious edge we're on right now. So both Bitcoin and Ethereum have just been threatening that big plunge lower. We saw Ethereum briefly break that 4,000 level, which is a nice round psychological number, always going to be support and resistance. It fell lower, but it's managed to cycle its way back above. I mean, at this point, I do think there could be further short-term downside, uh, but I think every leg lower is a buying opportunity. I don't think we'll be set, I don't think we'll make the lows that we made four or five months ago at this point. So, uh, I mean, the whole metaverse space is still pumping. The DeFi space is being hit hard, but a lot of buying opportunities out there. And every call you see for 2022 is Bitcoin and crypto higher. And you really can't avoid it. What are your thoughts, Dan? You've been a, you've been a bit of an avid watcher of crypto for a while now. What are your yeah, thoughts? Absolutely. Are you a buyer of these levels? or, uh, or uh... Yeah, I think so. Like uh, Louis said, there's a very bullish outlook for next year. I think a lot of these drops are similar to a lot of commodities off the back of this Omicron announcement, obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to get out of those risk on assets yeah. and times like that. So, obviously, we did see quite a big sell-off. But I think, like we said, they're starting to sort of consolidate now, create a pretty solid base. And I think with the bullish outlook by a lot of big investors and big institutions for next year, I think it's only positive news for crypto. Very, very good. Wow. Can't believe we got all the way Two through minutes. that so quickly. <laughs> very good. So, that is co- uh, commodities, currencies, and the events that shape them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. Our phone lines are now open. But for now, like, subscribe, hit that bell. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have a look at the best and worst performers on the Australian market this week. The world changed this year. So did the stock market. 
Is it time for a change in your portfolio? Invest with confidence. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with COSEC, Kodari Securities. RBA has cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1%. Returns in saving accounts are now shockingly low. We have never seen these conditions before. The good news is that the stock market benefits from low interest rates and historically has outperformed property or any other asset class. COSEC uses a unique stock market filtering system called Lotus Blue, which helps generate solid profits for clients. During COVID in April 2020, COSEC recommended Kogan, which went up 340%. In June, COSEC recommended Saracen Minerals, which went up 23%. In October, COSEC recommended Nickel Mines, which went up 33%. If you want your money working overtime, you need to know what stocks to buy and when to sell. That's where COSEC can help. With no barriers to entry, it's just simple investing. Build wealth with a concrete investment strategy. Go to cosec.com.au. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue and receive our top eight stock picks today. have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods having meaningful impact on society and industries in order to advance ideas were transformed into new products and services the stock market has also evolved through innovation Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. Now, were there tears shed this week? Who lost money? 
and who has Christmas come early for? We're going to go over to the ever-mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. You've got your chart of the week mm -hmm. showing all the sectors. Why don't you take us through that? Yeah, of course. So the last few weeks, it's been either positive or negative. This week was a bit mixed. Uh, and just some big announcements from major companies really driving the market. So if we bring up my, uh, as you just mentioned, our beautiful chart for the week, uh, you can see that, that the worst performer of the week was the healthcare sector, uh, driven by Literally one company. So in mostly in negative. Most sectors in negative. Real estate, utilities, and materials in positive. Is that right? Exactly right. So that healthcare drop was actually caused by uh, CSL mm. uh, and them doing some uh, raising some funds. Uh, but you can see the three that are in the green this week. You've got real estate, utilities. You know, quite defensive with all the central bank meetings. A lot of volatility in the market. People are either holding on to those sectors or buying them. And then the other one is materials with iron ore strengthening. You know our you know, BHP, mineral resources, Oz Minerals, all kind of added in the green. So that's where the strength came from. Uh, a bit of weakness as well out of IT. We had Afterpay uh, and Zero and uh, uh, Zip is also fall this week. Uh, so a bit of broad-based weakness. Zip's but on a 52-week low, and there's rumours going around that they might be merging with Sezzle, which is an overseas provider, but they're refusing to comment. And uh, obviously their share price has just been just plummeting. Yeah, well, a little bit of positivity in tech, however. We had uh, WiseTech. It actually uh, yesterday had a 6.9% green day and is a, a massive green candlestick. I mean, the company is at an all-time high at the and moment. I 100% guarantee us three weeks ago that was one of our opportunities on, on, the, on the podcast. Am it, I right? Uh, you are 100% right. So, yeah, they're $58.48 per share. So they're up massive for the year. Uh, a company you'd be... Pretty ballsy to go into it right now, uh, but still a great business going down that whole supply chain route. Uh, people need to be managing supply chains right now, but whether the business is under stress, it'll yet to be seen. So WiseTech, one to watch out for uh, on the watch list, but probably a little bit too hot for me right now. Very good. Uh, um, uh, by the dip, Dan, which areas are you sort of looking at now in terms of sectors? <coughs> which sector do you like? And not instead of stock, which sector do you like? Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, you mentioned tech. Obviously, buy now, pay later, like we've been saying, struggled quite a bit this week. Obviously, uh, off the back of the news in the US. That's not buying the dip, mate. That's buying death. <laughs> yeah, look, it doesn't look too good, does it? Like you said, um, Zip and Sezzle, both on 52-week lows. So, mm -hmm. uh, both struggling. Obviously, Afterpay has not had a good week either. Um, obviously, the US, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has put in some pretty strict regulations there. So, they all had a pretty rough week. But I think, yeah, it's... Um, you know, going to be an interesting one to watch those, but I don't think it's looking very positive. What about that gold sector? Is that a sort of a place that you're bullish on at the moment? Or Well, I think it was interesting what Louis said earlier, what the, the target prices for next year, they think around 1600 So obviously, a few good days at the moment, obviously our local... It's a good day to be in gold today, <coughs> that's for sure and certain, but it has exactly not been right. a good day all week. Yeah, yeah. so three, three days in the green for gold, and obviously our local gold players did very well today obviously off the back of that. But I think, yeah, the outlook for gold, I don't think, uh, is too positive moving forward. Mm, yeah. mm. There's a few gold players there that always look at, and you saw the best performers on the market today were literally all gold players, yeah. and, and fair enough. But there are undervalued and quality businesses there. But try to trying to ride the broader gold trend at the moment is, is so difficult because you don't know when it's going to come and how long it's going to last as well. So I think great businesses, you'd be... Definitely looking for a longer-term buy, and mm. you've also got to find the right one. You're not just dumping gold into a, any gold stock and it's going to do well. You've got to find the right one that's undervalued at current market levels. Mm. Very yeah. good. We've actually, I've just, got a, I've just got a ping through here. I've just got an email that's sent through. They were talking about healthcare, obviously, and that CSL thing. So Mariam's yeah. uh, emailed and asked the question, what are your thoughts on the recent acquisition slash uh, cap raising from CSL? And I think... Dr. Adam Shudakovsky, you've been looking at that a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I find it very interesting. So, of course, the market reacted the way one would expect because they're, they're selling shares of the cheap. So, the price of the share uh, is reacting in the downtrend direction. But if you actually look what at... What are they actually selling the shares at? Uh, so, it was slight... So we're just. Um, it was an. Eight, I think they fell. It was an eight percent discount to the current okay, market so price. Yeah. So and we literally made that gap on the day. So if you look at the chart. It looks pretty bad. Um, but as I was saying, when you're looking at it on a technical basis, you can't really make a judgment. Well, Lion Town Resources had a cap raising, and it was like a twenty percent discount, and then it dropped another ten percent after that, and then was down earlier today. So CSL dropped eight percent. It's not too bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it dragged the market lower on the day, of course, and right. the whole healthcare sector. Yeah. But well. what, I, what I think is interesting, as that uh, announcement came out. And and the market dropped, what happened at the same time is that all the bigger broker calls, they came up saying, now we're expecting the share to go above 
320. Yeah, I'm sure no big brokers hold that stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's exactly right. We're not sure, no one holds that. Yeah. So Morgan's, uh, Morgan's, McGuire, and City, they all came up saying they will go above 330 or 340. So they're all having What's upside. What's the highest? 320? Is that 340 right? at the moment at City. So they're all having expectations they will go at, up at least 20%. Yeah. And they came out just on that announcement. I mean, CSL's, you know, one of those market darlings that people have done well out of for so long. If you've been a long-term holder collecting the dividend, go for it. Uh, but at this point, yeah, it's pretty hard to think buy the dip with CSL. There's just too many exciting opportunities out there at the moment. Could and be it's been very range-bound. Like I always say, there's only really ever a couple of reasons to ever exit out of a stock. But one of the main reasons is because there is a better opportunity out there. Yeah. And if we take the past two years... CSL has been very much rain-bound. And, mm. and p- to be fair with you, at the $300 mark, it's fair enough you could probably be range-bound there because it was in a pretty strong upward trend, right from $100, 150 60 70 all the way up to 200 yeah. And I remember thinking it was very expensive at 150 and it's doubled in price since then. So Yeah, I suppose what mm. CSL is really looking down the barrel of right now is you know, we've had such a good 5, 10 years, but where do we go from here? Yeah. And these sort of What's massive next? acquisitions yeah. are the only thing they can do to really spur that next level of growth because, you know, They've grown to as big as they can get in the businesses they're in, but now it's about acquiring new business, you know, building new products and you know, going out there. But what I find really interesting is you look at a chart of CSL, we're actually down now 4.5% year to date. Wow, so the market's gone up about 10%, CSL's down 4.5%. Afterpay <coughs> Touch, which is another market darling, okay, that's down nearly 16% year to date. So it, it just goes to show you this whole idea, I think to, uh, one of the big things is today, in today's day and age, you know, buying and holding just doesn't seem to be playing ball as well as it was 2017, 2018. Would that be a safe assumption? Yeah, I, I, I mean, buying and holding is always going to have its merits, but I think you've definitely got to be a bit more active because the macro trends that are driving our market are so much more prominent than they used yeah, to be. And the world's changing at such a quicker pace that, I mean, theoretically, you might have to change your portfolio at a quicker pace at, at the same time. So, I mean, CSL, good company. I like it. Uh, but at this point, you'd be really ballsy to enter into it. You could be picking it up at a discount, but I, I wouldn't bother. Perfect, perfect. Uh, uh, let's just go over to buy a dip, Dan. Uh, you've been keeping an eye on lithium. What are your thoughts on these lithium players? Because I've noticed that they're either lithium players almost now just go in half. They're either down quite significantly, so that's Liontown Resources, Novonix, uh, Vulcan Energy, or they're up on all-time highs, which is basically um, the previous known Oracobra, now AKE and uh, Alcum, Alcum and um, Pilbara. They're all they're all on all-time highs. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's an interesting space. Obviously, like you said, some players are doing really well at the moment. Obviously, um, of the back of the cap raising, Lion Town's been a bit up and down. But I think uh, uh, Alcum's an interesting one. I think Alcum's looking really quite good at the moment. So it's. So a bit of both. There's so, so many confused clients calling I'm, up I'm about that. I might just jump in and explain that to people <laughs> because there's been three companies now that everyone's confused about. A client call up to me and goes, where are my Oracobra shares? No, where are my Galaxy shares gone? So well, the first <laughs> thing that happened was Galaxy and Oracobra merged together under the one entity called Oracobra, and then Oracobra went to change their name to Alcum. So now you've gone through all these companies and now you've got Alcum shares that the guy didn't even know about. So... For any Oracobra or Galaxy holders over there the last year, your shares are now Alcum Resources Limited, which I'll agree with Dan. Look, pretty damn good on a chart, but another business that today looked especially good, and I know Will's a crowd favourite of Will's and especially one of our clients, but that's uh, Liontown Resources, looking very nice on a chart today. Uh, what, up 8% uh, finished the day, Will? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, it just, just rocketed right into the close. So I yeah. uh, have, to, have to talk to that client who's a big fan of it. <laughs> and a big shout-out to Mr. Brian here. Yes, and exactly. uh, we can, uh, he's an avid viewer of the show, so I'm sure he's listening intently. But, yeah, absolutely incredible. Was down earlier today. We bought a client in earlier today, early in the morning, and you know, up eight percent within the same day. Exactly. So, because it finished five percent up, so I mean, phenomenal result yeah. from that. But by the dip mentality, uh, by the dip, absolutely, Dan, yeah. So we kind of discovered that. Do you think tech's just done? Is because the Nasdaq was down three percent? Are we just out of tech? Do we think we should just put that in the back corner and just leave it alone? There's been consistent rotations out of it uh, mm. for the last few weeks, and the Nasdaq has been one of the indexes that has been struggling. Although all three in the US mm. have, mm. it's been struggling itself. And I mean, I mean, our broader tech sector is just being hit. Zero after pay, zip, sizzle it's dominated by banner pay laters but the whole sector is something that i'm not a huge fan of right now you got to be very selective with your players i know something like a data three hasn't been looking too bad i mean it's probably flat T&E. for the year T&E's not technology been one's yeah. been, been a good player and as i said wise tech's making new highs 
But there's not as just as many. Altium's on an all-time high as well. App and technology, on the other hand, is just continuing to languish. All yeah. very interesting stuff. Thank you, gents. So, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel in the meantime? Let's take a short break. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that bell, and we're going to be back with the final section of the show. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosec stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Trust is key to any relationship. Fortunately, it's nothing that can be bought. It's earned. As an investor working with an organisation, they need to demonstrate integrity. They must show consistency. Full transparency. Accountability. They must be genuine in their approach. Their core values must align with yours. They need to put your interest first. If you are considering investing, work with an organisation that earns and nurtures trust. Work with an organisation you believe in. Work with an organisation that treats you the same way they like to be treated. Join an organisation that views clients as people, not people as clients. If you are considering investing, consider Kosek Kadari Securities. kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. 
We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, Imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. Herzig is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzig Kadari Securities. Welcome back. The moment we've all been waiting for, the final section of the Kozak Show. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold and oil has done. We know what the dollar has done this week. We know what the top forms for the week were. Now... Let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come. We're going to start off with Dr. Adam Shadakovsky. What are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Thank you very much for asking. So I like Fortescue Metal Groups. So Sorry, did you think I wasn't going to ask? Because I haven't done that for the past 20 <laughs> podcasts. So well, polite. No? So this is a company I was like really wanting to push uh, in a long time, I think, but the technicals wasn't really there. So, uh, but let me first start with fundamentals. So, the, the fundamentals of this company are just exceptional. So, if you look at cash flows, so the money there. I like how he's keeping us in suspense. Yeah, so he hasn't actually told us what it is. <laughs> Could be anything. So, yes, again. Uh, yeah, Forestry Medicals, uh, ticker called FMG, that cash flows are amazing. So, over the last years, doubled in cash flows, so plus 97%. Revenue also up almost 80% for one year, earnings up over 100% in one year. And if you look at four years, their earnings increased by a tenfold. Wow. How do you do that in 10 years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, four years is just so impressive. All their metrics in financials are so impressive. So I'm not surprised they have like a war chest of money. I mean, they have to figure out what to spend. And now there have been a couple of announcements. They're moving into the, the into the green, which is very good. I mean, it's, I think it's a very good decision to be to be quick on that to be ahead of the others. So, I mean, that is yet another strong macroeconomic news for, so they were announcing they will be spending $0.8 billion in energy projects over the, last tw uh, over the next 12 months. That's very good news. And they have certainly money uh, to spend that. So they are one of the fourth biggest companies in iron ore. So of course, this is a big company and they can make investments like that. So it's very promising. And also, as you were saying, iron ore is looking very strong. So that's yet another economic macroeconomic news that is supporting that news from China, also very positive. So that all of that macro news is very, very promising. So in terms of broker calls, that is a little bit of a, a mixture. So because iron ore is a little, you could say a bit specky, what exactly will be happening next week in regards to iron ore, we might not exactly know. So there is a bit of a mixture in regards to broker calls, but one of, the, uh, one of them, for example, from Morgan Stanley was, was quite positive. So, and now let's have a look at the chart because that is the one i was like waiting for so finally we have the, the share did cross the exponential 200 day moving average so that is uh, suggesting that there is a, there is a very firm confirmation that we have an uptrend and of course if you look at the uh, the share price over the last couple of days is hitting the top dungeon again and again so very positive also a positive macd suggesting strong momentum so i mean so many technical indicators right now they're saying this price will keep going up. Very good. So that's Fortescue Metal, a quite literal fortress of uh, economic success, good fundamentals, and of course, great technicals. Let's go over to buy the dip, Dan. I know you've got a stock that's been relatively downward trending for a while. You're looking to buy the dip. What are you looking at this week? Why do you like it so much for the week to come? As always, we're looking to uh, follow on from Adam in the iron ore trend. Um, my hot opportunity is BHP Group Limited. So... Obviously, like I said, following the iron ore trend, but I think the big thing about BHP is not only do they do iron ore, they've got quite a diversified portfolio. So I think we're all quite clear that, you know, BHP are involved in mineral uh, exploration and production, but obviously they also do um, oil and petroleum as well, which mm. I think that diversified portfolio, we've seen iron ore start to rise, and we've also seen obviously a bit of a dip in oil, but the comeback's actually on at the moment. It's sort of, we sort of looked at that dead cap bounce, but it really is looking to push that uh, higher that it made in recent days, and it's looking pretty promising that it could go higher. I think the outlook for both commodities is really quite strong. So I think, um, yeah, it's 
pretty good time. And obviously, like I said earlier, if we pull up the chart real quick, if we look at that technically, um, you know, like I said earlier, uh, a lot of these local iron ore players really do follow the chart of iron ore. So we've really seen a good really uh, two or three weeks for BHP. When we look at the last couple of days, there's been some pretty green bullish candlesticks. It's continuously pushing that top donchin channel higher, um, which is really, really positive as well. We're edging closer to those 200-day moving averages. We haven't quite crossed them yet, but we are getting there. It's looking quite promising. I think if it continues this trend, then we should be there in you know, maybe a week or so. And then we, obviously if we look at the MACD as well, that's really you know, the confirmation that this uptrend could continue. Could I'm really assuming out. Fortescue and BHP are both down year to date because they have dropped a phenomenal amount. Like, I mean, yeah. 40% Fortescue metal in the past. 15% year to date, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. so they're down 15% year yeah. to date. So buying the dip is certainly as we are buying the dip. So you like BHP, i buy the just, dip, Dan? Just as well, and that obviously, you know, being a Lotus Blue stock, very, very fundamentally sound. When you look at their fundamentals, all the key ratios we look at with our, you know, very rigorous investment strategies, you know, revenues, earnings, cash flows, all increasing. Very, very healthy debt to equity ratio. Very healthy ROE. Yeah. Operating margin. Very, it's you know really quite high. So I think, and on top of that, obviously everyone loves a dividend player. Uh, dividend payer, and they have obviously pay quite a healthy one. I think nine percent was their last dividend. So nine percent so. from you, and the last recorded one for Fortescue was twenty percent. So yeah, that's not like an unbelievable. It's not tick, they tick all. all the boxes. Tick yeah. all the boxes. All right, let's talking. Let's go over to another gentleman who certainly ticks all the boxes himself. This is uh, Mr. Mr. Louis Mossman. What are you looking at this week? Um, yeah. Why do you like? So I'll much try to make it exciting because unfortunately I'm following the same route <laughs> as these two down the iron ore path. Yes, we are following that chart of iron ore, and th this business look does the very same. Uh, but what I'm looking at this week is a champion iron. That's ticker code CIA. So they're also in iron ore development and exploration. The most exciting thing about this uh, uh, company is their two projects. They've got two: the Fire Lake project. That sounds great, and the Bloom. Lake project. So oh, I just nice. love the names. They good uh, with names. Are they, they're, they're overseas, yeah. though. Fire they're Lake not here. project. Are yeah, they're, not, they're yeah. in Quebec, Canada. Yeah? Exactly right. So uh, the one thing I have been looking at for iron ore is definitely that Chinese story we were speaking earlier. I think in the me short to medium term, domestic iron ore players can definitely benefit from it. This is not a buy and hold forever opportunity uh, that I'm recommending because there could be pressure coming at any point. But as we both of you mentioned, technically they do look attractive. So um, we'll move to that story and we look at what some of the brokers are saying. And they've confirmed the fact that we do like the Chinese outlook. So this is Macquarie. They came out with a buy recommendation, sorry, outperform recommendation on Champion Iron just two days ago, actually giving it 50% upside from mm. current market price today. Uh, what they said is they remain positive on stocks with iron ore exposure generally. And Champion Iron is a keen Key mid-cap pick offering unique leverage to both the iron ore price and cap X cycle. So, again, another cashed-up iron ore player, spending a lot of money and in a space that Macquarie likes. The second broker call, City, just as good. Still from a few months ago, however, and they see a 29% upside. So, looking very attractive. And if we bring it up on a chart finally as well, uh, you think we're tricking you bringing up the same chart three times in a row. <laughs> but I promise you, it's just champion iron. Uh, again, pushing that top dodge in higher, nice uptrend off its lows, higher highs, higher lows. Uh, and I think it's going to be you know, a nice continual grind high for all three of these businesses. Again, in the short to medium term, not a long-term buy. Very good. Champion stock for a champion gentleman himself. All in the iron ore place. Like they're all in that iron ore space as well. You've got maybe a faster moving iron ore player like Champion. You maybe got a, a Fortescue Metal, which is that dividend yeah. sort of a bit more well known. And you've got the BHP, which is a little more diversified. Reason just think that's sort of the place to go. Because I do notice all these charts have been upward trending. The market's been quite choppy over the past week. And these yeah. are these all three of these stocks. Have we been we do like to bring a theme sometimes. So I do remember a couple months back we brought lithium as the theme, and yeah, that and kicked the lights uh, out. Absolutely. And, and I think the three businesses we brought today can give people an idea of, you know, you're not just buying iron ore stocks. There are very different types of iron ore stocks. So this is definitely Champion Iron again. The mid cap stock moves a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. High upside is potentially it's not five percent today. Five percent. Fortescue today. Metal, which also does iron ore, it's only up one point two percent today. Yeah, so. but they've got the diversification into green energy, hydrogen, and they're you know a big cap, but they're also a very hot topic right now. And then finally got BHB, extremely diversified. We don't like that stock. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> extremely <laughs> diversified across a variety of co uh, commodities. So just to give the audience an idea of what iron ore exposure you can get out there, and you know what risk you want to take in what areas. Very good. Well, gentlemen. Thank you all very much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you to yourself. We want to thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we would like to wish you, your friends, colleagues, a safe and happy weekend. And we will see you in the new year. My name is...